The following program contains themes and scenes not suitable for very young audiences. Parental guidance is advised. All right, the All Ladies Rock and Talk podcast. This is episode number one of 2024. No better person to have on the line than Bobby R. Rock. Oh, thank you so much. You're talking about me, right? You don't think I'm I'm uh, I'm the Bobby Rock, the muscular the drummer? drummer? Oh, the drum? No, I didn't think so. Okay, well, I just wanted to make sure because you gave me a compliment, and I'm not used to it. So we're going to talk about 1981. We're waiting for Michael Hansen. Maybe he is stuck in a time machine in 1981. Oh. We don't know. Uh, he may join us. He may not. But uh, back in 1981, to get things started, the U.S. president was none other than my favorite U.S. president. That's Ronald Reagan. Oh, why is that? Um, I don't know. Just because I don't know many presidents <laughs> in America, and I know him. Like, there you go. Good answer. <laughs> uh, TV shows, Dynasty, Dukes of Hazard. Now, that was my jam in 1981, Daisy Duke. Uh, oh. Three's, Co Three's Company, you're a big fan of Three's Company. Huge. Love Three's Company. And Alice, those were the big TV shows in 1981. And in theaters, I've never been a theater person. That's why I'm not in theater. Uh, <laughs> Readers of the Lost Ark, oh. Superman 2, Arthur, and on Golden Pond. Wow. Never seen any of them. Although and I like the... the Theme song to Arthur, that's cool, but other than that. Yeah, and if I did see them, I probably slept through them. What else can I tell you? The average income per year, this is American, obviously, $21,050. Oh, my gosh, what I make? And 80 slang, gnarly dude. <laughs> Where's Dave Bergman? Uh, rad. <laughs> uh, grody. You're grody. Anyway, that was back oh, in gro Grody to the max. Yes, I remember that. So before we begin, uh, this is relevant to the 80s somewhat. Uh, James Kotak died today. Uh, very sad, you know, and I knew him from the Scorpions. Yeah. We talked about him yesterday. Yeah, that that was pretty uh, pretty ironic to say. That. And and he his name came out of nowhere. Well, really? I know. It, it kind of came out of somewhere because we were talking about going to see the Scorpions in Vegas. And I said, I'm not going if James, James Kotak is not playing. Now I have to change my tune because he's not showing up. Yeah. Yeah, and I uh, I dropped that news on you. I think the yeah, kids you are saying that. Yeah, yeah. you uh that's right. Uh James Kodak. So he played the Scorpions 96 to 2016. He did 10 albums with the Scorpions. Although some of those might be, I think there's two live albums in there, I think. Yeah. But still eight albums uh between 96 and 2016. Do you know he played Montrose? I was just going to mention that in the early 80s. I think it may, it may very well be 81. Really? He played in uh, Macaulay, Shanker, yeah, Macaulay Shanker Group? Well, um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. The the uh, the first MSG, uh, was it the first one? Or yeah, it was early one? on. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw, I mean, Warrant, he did Ultraviolet, which is a fucking terrible album. <laughs> and and, and uh, Kingdom Come. But uh, anyway... We, I can't believe we talked about him yesterday. Now I said I loved James Kotak and that he should be the drummer back in the Scorpions. Yeah, what a what a character for sure. That's not going to ha happen now. Large, okay, larger so, than life. So let's look at some of the albums in particular of '81. So we're just randomly talking about them. The first that comes to mind are the Rolling Stones' "Tattoo You," which actually I found out was there are a bunch of studio outtakes that they recorded like in the in the '70s. But start oh, me up know. was on tattoo you, which went to number two. Were you? I know. Okay, let's let's 
set the, the scene here. We were not listening to any of this probably in 81 because we were too young. But through the years, are you a fan of the, the album? Do you know anything about the album besides maybe Start Me Up? I don't know. You know what? That That's probably it. <laughs> All the Rolling Stone fans are going, oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, that's probably it. I mean, I mean, just the hits, right? Start Me Up. Uh, I really remember the um, video for that. Yeah, I think he wore like a, a striped, uh, what purple and uh, in white shirt and with white pants or something like that. Yeah, you got to look it up. Anyways, well, that's what uh, I'm wearing the, right now. You're looking at me. That's what I'm oh, wearing. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, except you're about uh, 150 pounds more than uh, Mick Jagger. Yeah, I'm like twice him. I get it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, so the Rolling Stones. I mean, I love the Stones. I really do. But Tattoo You mm -hmm. was, you know, besides Start Me Up. Yeah, here was here. I love this one. Um, well, you'll love this one. Rush Moving Pictures. And I say I love it because I don't know a lot of Rush. There was their eighth studio album, which I couldn't believe. Tom Sawyer, YYZ, Limelight, Red Barchetta. Like, those are the Rush songs that that I know. I only know the bigger hits and those are some of them so yeah. that was a huge album for rush that is is probably arguably their their best album i i would think it's kind of i i think it came at a time where if you look at what was out at that time there was nothing like that no out. i mean they were really hitting their stride of being um like they had some mainstream stuff on there, but but it started to get really uh, really progressive, and um, yeah, their their biggest hits right until uh, the end. And I own the I own the album. Is that yours or is it mine? Yeah, that's, no. Not, <laughs> would you really go out and buy a Rush album? Probably not. Yeah, you're right. Uh, an album I'm sure you did buy for those about to rock by ACDC, 1981. Yeah, you, that was, uh, you, you you would be a fan in eighty one, no? We're back in the mid eighties. <clears throat> Not yet. No, I was like eight years old, so yeah. it was kind of before. Okay, but now you are. But now you're a big ACDC fan. Yeah, kinda. Not not huge. I mean, no. I've seen them a couple times, and um, but yeah, I mean that album came out after Back in Black, which was Brian Johnson's first debut album after Bon Scott passed away. Right. So this this album in '81 just kind of continued on that that uh, that train. I mean, for those about to rock, you know, it's, that's a massive massive hit. Well, for those about to rock, you know, we do salute you. Just so you know. Yes, and you too. I I loved Phil Collins in the '80s. Face Value came out. That was his debut solo album, and it had "In the Air Tonight." And it had I Missed Again on it. But I didn't think it was a great album. I mean, No Jacket Required to me was a lot better. But In the Air Tonight is arguably Phil Collins' biggest and best song. So, oh, yeah. You know, you have to look at that. But that came out in 1981. And for some reason, I thought it came out like a little bit later, like 83 or something. But uh, yeah, I know you're not a huge Phil Collins fan or probably... Um, never really were, I would assume. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Bobby's going to come to the table and say, you know what? You know what? To be honest with you, uh, outside of my rock, right, and 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 I, I, I love the metal stuff, 
I do have a soft spot for for Phil Collins. Uh, back in high school, um, I listened to Phil Collins a lot, actually. Uh, but you know, my favorite, I, I think, is uh, "But Seriously." Is is uh, I think yeah, but seriously, live was an album. Yeah, that was like yeah, a great album. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, and and then he wrote the hits and the ballads and and stuff like that that made him made him huge, huge, huge. Right, and against all odds, it was in a movie, and he yeah. played drums on what was that uh, band called? Um, you know the the do they know it's Christmas? Oh, the, the Live Band-Aid? Aid. Uh, is it Live Aid? Well, he was at Live Aid, but he played in Band Aid too. Yeah, yeah, he played drums in Band Aid, but he was at Live Aid, and he actually was the only artist I think. That did both London and Philadelphia, and he Ooh. flew. I think he did London. I don't know whatever one he did first. Probably London, I guess. Right? That would be makes sense. I think. Yeah. I don't know. And then went to Philadelphia. Anyway, he did both of them. Wow. No, I. I, I he's got, he's got I a great book love, out too. Love Phil Collins. Like so not probably as much as you do, but I do get into those stages where that's what I'll listen to on. I think I told you though, that that would have been one of my bucket list interviews just because in the 1980s, he had more top 10 radio hits than anybody. Yeah. And he was everywhere. And even in the book, when you read it, uh, I'm not dead yet. Although that's pending by looking at him. (laughs) (laughs) I I just feel like, you know, he was almost too much in the eighties. He almost felt like he was over, saturating himself you know that people got turned off now oh it's phil collins of course it's phil collins you know but he doesn't look well now and and that's too bad like he uh, i think was it you sent me a picture with him and his daughter i saw it on social media too and that really sucks i know his son's you know a drummer and playing in his own band and, and such but yeah i just it's it's crappy i mean people get old so oh look at you you're old but he doesn't look good he doesn't look good at all so i hope that um He's still with us for a bit, but I, you know, 1981, Phil Collins face value. What else do we have? This one does nothing for me. Uh, the police ghost in the machine. I mean, it's got every little thing on it. Spirits in the material world. I was never a big police fan. I, you know, what's funny to show you the power of when, when you're in high school and you talk about peer pressure, I hung out with friends that liked the police. So I felt like I had to go buy synchronicity when it came out because they all had it and they all liked it. So I thought I should like this because my friends like this. Remember those right. days? And you're going oh, yeah. back at it. And not that the, not that it was a bad album, but I'm just not what I would live, listen to. But anyway. Yeah, you, and, and, and you put it on and you, you try <laughs> to like it. You can <laughs> try to get into this. I yeah, I can do okay. this. And in your head, you're like, this is the only time I'm going to ever listen to this yeah. Uh, album again. Yeah, and Synchronicity was huge. <laughs> but Ghost in the Machine, I mean, other than those two songs, I wouldn't know anything else on it. So uh, I got a question for you. Yeah. So these albums that you're 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 talking about, and you're you you've talked about you know the highlight songs on there. Were we in a kind of a day and age back in '81 where it was more about the song than the albums? In the album. Because, yeah, I don't think a lot of people even knew what the album was called. Right, because I think you know after that came like the concept album where you would you know uh, these artists would write concept albums for you to listen to you know the whole, front the whole to, story right front to back. to back and uh it just it strikes me in 81 where it was largely it seemed that it was largely about the hits and the songs and the uh, all the other songs on the albums were kind of like uh, you know they're kind of filler 
this fits into that. The Go-Go's debut album, uh, Beauty and the Beat, uh, has We Got the Beat and Our Lips Are Sealed. And the funny thing is, I bet you for until maybe less than 10 years ago, I didn't even know the name of their debut album. I knew those songs for decades. Yeah. Didn't really know the song or the album rather. So right. I mean, I, I don't know. When it came out and I I would hear the radio, we got the beat by the go. I didn't go like what album's that from? Right. right? Yeah, it was so. just the song, right? Yep. Uh this one, Def Leopard, high and dry. I, I don't like the album. I mean, bringing on the heartache or heartbreak is is a great song, but other than that, I don't even yeah, it was one of those kind of raw, raw albums, especially compared to what they're doing, you know. Yeah, after. yeah. But uh, yeah, you don't get any more rock and roll and, and raw. And then, of course, you know, Pyromania comes after that and, and stuff. But yeah, because that's yeah, kind of when I got into them was like Pyromania and beyond that. Like High and Dry was too early for me. And again, other than you know, bringing on the heartbreak, you still hear it a lot. They still play it in their live set, as far as oh, I yeah. know. So yeah. You know, but there's not many uh, songs from that album. Uh, the seventh studio album from Journey, Escape, 1981. So needless to say, uh, Don't Stop Believing came from that album and their biggest hit, maybe the biggest hit ever in the world, arguably, I don't know, uh, <laughs> came out on that album. Stone in Love, which is a favorite of yours, I know. Absolutely. Uh, Mother, Father, and Open Arms are some of the bigger songs from that album i i love that album i did know it was called escape <laughs> oh no yeah, no i did yes <laughs> that's what oh. you know we were saying we don't know what the albums are called i didn't know it was called escape okay i, get but it. I know you're a big journey fan so tell me your journey with journey well with this album i do remember actually listening to this album it's probably like you know my brother's sister probably had the actual album but i i do remember the cassette for sure um and really listening to that you know from uh the songs that you just mentioned and i i think this was john kane's first album with journey right uh it could be i don't know yeah i'm pretty I sure think you're right though yeah so they made a huge switch from uh greg roley which they were you know kind of that uh you know kind of progressive kind of rock fusion type stuff that they were doing before and uh then they had steve perry who was in the band like just prior with mm -hmm. greg roley and then they uh added john kane which he's uh, he, he's obviously a hit machine he he was with the babies with john Waite, right yeah uh and it all came around so i mean those songs took that band into a new level and it's so funny because you know you hear the neil schoen um you know john kane the kind of the back and forth in the news and it's kind of like neil Schoen. i know he's the founder and he was, was there from the very beginning but when you really look at it um when they got john kane if you don't get that guy in the band you don't have the success that that you have like there's right. there's, yep, there's no way yeah so great album. A couple others. Diary of a Madman from Ozzy, second album. Uh, of course, Randy Rhodes on this album, Flying High Again, Over the Mountain. I I did own that album in 
83-ish, 84, but it came out in 81. Your thoughts on on Ozzy, Diary of Madman? So when I was about eight, we used to go to uh we used to go to my uncle's and my cousins were there. Uh and they had a huge vinyl collection, which contained, you know, the Who, Led Zeppelin, and then that album cover comes up from Ozzy. It's like, you know, as an eight-year-old, you're like, yeah. what the heck is What the heck is that? Yeah. Holy moly. So yeah, that's my memory of that. But uh you can't go wrong with the uh, with Randy Rhodes. So a little story I mentioned um whatever the year was. So 83, 84, I'd have been like in the because I was born in 69. So you know, 14, 15-ish kind of age, depending. But I was playing hockey, minor hockey. I must no, I must have been younger than that, maybe, maybe 13 even. And I remember going to my buddy's house. And he would have like all the hockey players and they had the album and they were playing Diary of a Madman. And you saw the picture on the cover and they're all talking about Ozzy and how great Ozzy was and all that. And I remember putting my hand into the fish tank and then biting the head off the fish. And they're like, what are you doing? Just because I just remember now, I don't know when that happened with Ozzy, like what year, <laughs> Um, maybe Gary Warren would know, but anyway, I just remember whatever year that, that I was doing this thing with the hockey team, which again was probably, you know, in, I'm 83, <laughs> 84, whatever it was. And yeah. So and really, I love you sushi. did that. Yeah. I love sushi even today, but uh, I, I actually did that. Yeah. So the Aussie must've heard that you did that and then did what he did. Yeah. When did he do it? I, th- that I think he did it. It was whenever I did this, I thought it was around the same time. We should Google that because I really don't know what year that was. <laughs> um, and then we the, the big album. Uh, did we talk about Fair Warning? <laughs> no, not yet. Uh, a good, an avid listener, if you will, to the podcast, uh, chimed in about Fair Warning and Van Halen. And I just, I, you know, I mean, you know, my take on it. Van Halen became a band in 1986. So when they came, Unchained is, you know, Mean Street, whatever, but Fair Warning did nothing for me. In fact, I probably didn't even hear of the name of the album until like 15 years ago because I suck at Van Halen. So. Yeah. And, and again, that, that was it. They, uh, there was probably a couple good songs on that album, Unchained being one. What's with the again, song Mean Street? I, I don't really know it. Again, I don't really listen to older Van Halen, not my well, thing, but people keep bringing it up as it, it was a great, great song. Well, I I think that's when, like, Eddie Van Halen came out at a perfect time. Like, again, who was doing what he was doing on the guitar? And if you hear that, that beginning part of Mean Street, I mean... It's amazing. Like it really is. Like it is um he, he developed his own style, his own like and right, he really right. turned head with that for sure. So I, I Googled the Aussie thing. I believe it was 1982. Oh wow. During a live concert in Iowa. That's what I, I'm just reading this off Google, right? But uh yeah. So it makes sense it was around that time because I thought that happened before. There you go. <laughs> Now I thought Michael was joining us, so I did find some information on um from from Rock Candy magazine posted this Kerrang Readers Poll 1981 Best Drummers. So 
So they had this poll out and Cozy Powell was number one. But there's a lot of people on this list. I don't know. Phil Taylor from Motorhead. You know who I don't? Yeah, I'm not a Motorhead. No. Uh, Deep Purple, Ian Pace said, I know him obviously, but he's on that list. John Bonham, Phil Rudd made that list. And Clive Burr from Iron, Iron Maiden. Maiden. Yeah, that's right. Iron Maiden. So he was also on that list. And what else? Mick, Mick Underwood? No. Yeah, I don't know. I think he played. I don't I that one, that one I don't know. Again, 1981, I was too young. I was dating girls. I was no, I wasn't. Um, so yeah, but that's you're visiting the aquariums. Yeah. So uh <laughs> but Cozy Powell, of course, I know and and stuff. But uh yeah, Michael is not joining us, so this is kind of useless information. <laughs> there you go. Anything else on 1981? No, you know what? I was eight. I was yeah, I mean, I was uh, just before being influenced by things. I was just being a kid. So there you go. Now you're going to go back and listen to each one of these albums, aren't you? And you're going to make notes about each track. Yeah, actually, it, it, it's, it is an interest of mine to actually look at those albums and uh, and to listen to the other songs that are on there. because. I kind of like finding kind of, you know, uh, diamonds in the rough, you know, like, you know, listening to an album that has those two hits and, uh, and you go, you know what, there's actually a couple other really great tunes on there. Yeah. But right. But, but you do that now. That's what I'm saying. So, so now you get an album or you, you pull out an album and you know, two songs, but you're willing to go and listen to the other ones. But back when you bought the albums or even the CDs, when they used to come out, you bought them for the song that was on the radio. And you might have found one other song that somebody told you about. Other than that, you probably didn't even listen to the rest of the album or the right. CD. That's just what I think. But there's some people who bought albums back in 81 who listened to it front to back. But I don't know. Well, it wasn't one of them. Yeah, you never know. And it's kind of reversed now because people would go out and what was an album? You know, what did an album cost? What, in 81? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. You now know, they're 50 to, bucks. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't cheap, right? Right, yeah. But but how else are you going to hear that over and over again outside of, you know, getting your uh, tape player and hit and record when they play it on the radio? Because right, people yeah. used to do that too, right? But, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of backwards. People would spend the money to on a full album to listen to two songs. And now especially with streaming, you can get the whole discography and the whole album and the whole bit like right at your fingertips and not pay anything for it. Right. <laughs> or very little anyways. Well, that wraps up there 1981. We thought with Michael, I mean, he was in 1981, he was probably like 40. So he could have uh, <laughs> provided some insight. Yeah. Uh, was, uh, was Madonna out then? I don't. In 1981? No. No, that that was before Madonna. Nineteen eighty one was before Madonna. Yeah, so see, I mean, she was born already, if that's what you're asking. But yeah, Michael would have nothing to talk about then.